Hello everybody and welcome back to the Catch Cake podcast. Today we are on episode 9 of season 3 and yeah we are at the end of January um, and I'm going to be taking you on a little adventure down to the beautiful Portugal um, and I'll give you a little update on my local adventures and of course some nature bits as always. Um, so yeah we're kind of leaning into the other side of winter. Um, it feels kind of it feels kind of like it just it just went by or something um, and it feels much brighter. It feels uh, much lighter at the moment as well. Um, the birds, there's so many more birds around while where I'm living and um, loads more bird song in the mornings and the evenings, very loud. Um, the bees as well have been out. I've been sitting out in the morning and yesterday morning at 9am when the sun was out, there was bees on the ground. I could hear them humming and I was like, what? where is that? And I looked on the blades of grass and they were collecting water. So... There's good signs like life is emerging again. Um, so that's all good. And, you know, we feel it in ourselves, too. And I would also like to share um, a little bit of my tree book again, because I love it so much. And um, I think awareness about trees is just so crucial to our understanding of nature and ourselves as a whole and as a planet and as a multi-dimensional interconnected web of life um, because never forget that we're all connected together and we all need each other for survival so um, especially the natural world you know uh, each human being and plant tree web life form ocean algae like the whole thing is breathing together in symbiosis so Never forget like what nature is doing for you and to show that bit of gratitude today when you see a tree or greenery or seaweed or whatever it is like just look at it and realize that that's me also. I cannot survive without this and along with the bees who pollinate and provide all like a third of our plates of food like just be really aware of that and um I think in time then a more a more kind of loving gratitude comes from our beings because we can really see how our existence is even um I suppose permissible kind of allowed because because of all these other life forms otherwise we couldn't be here um, so anyways, so just before I begin, a thank you to the patrons who support this podcast every month. Um, I super appreciate it and it's helping me, yeah, to get my message out there and to grow uh, my business. So if you are enjoying this podcast and have enjoyed uh, last year, please consider supporting me and my message for this earth. Um, it is very difficult, like um, being honest, it is very difficult to, um, I suppose, to be self-employed and to, you know, self-publish a book and to, um, like, do everything yourself. It's very difficult. Um, it's not like, you know, people 
people don't jump on it the way I suppose Nike sell their shoes or uh, or Sky sell their programs. You know, it's it's much harder when you do everything yourself. So anybody who does who does um listen to this podcast um weekly or whenever, like I'd really appreciate the support and it would really help me. Um, I am like my own advert. <laughs> I have to be my own advert for my own work. Um, so if you are getting this message and you are getting something from my work, I would really appreciate the support and the monetary contribution can be whatever value you place on it, or it could be a thank you, like a cup of coffee price or whatever you think. And you can go on to patreon.com slash catch Kate. So anyways, I'll get on with it guys. And, um, yeah, let's get going to beautiful, sunny Portugal. So, um, I've been to Portugal a, f- a couple of times um, and um, I'm going to take you to the different places I went there and just give you a feel for it. Um, so the first time I went, I went to the northern part um, to a place called Porto. Um, beautiful, uh, beautiful city. Um, and it, the time I went, all right, it reminded me of Cork, like my home, because it was very misty. Um, there was like bridges and river and it was, um, yeah, and there was lots of seafood there as well. And just, it was actually quite cold, kind of, yeah, very misty weather. I remember we had like even a lot of clothes on at the time and I was thinking Portugal, oh my God, so hot. But it did really remind me of home. Um, but it's a beautiful city. Like I did a tour on a bus and went around and saw all the different architecture, churches, different things like that. Um, absolutely gorgeous. And just to even walk around the streets there and get lost, um, and explore. It's really beautiful place. Um, it's also the home of Port Wine. So you can actually visit like one of the... I suppose they're kind of like breweries um, where they make the port wine. So I did that and we did like a port wine tasting and we got to watch like they showed us like the terraces where they where they grow the um, the fruits. And um, yeah, just be aware when you're going for port wine tasting that you might you might walk out of there a bit wobbly. <laughs> but um, no, it was lovely and really fun and yeah, it was a, it was a great um, experience and um, just the food there as well. It was so good, like so much seafood. Um, we used to like, you know, go out in the evenings really late. Um, do you know the way it is in Spain and Portugal? You go out so late and just a different feeling altogether. Like you're eating at like nine o'clock or something or 10 or, you know, whereas in Ireland it's like, you know, sometimes it's five, six, seven. Sometimes it can be really early to have dinner here and then down in the Mediterranean areas, it's very late. Um, so it's nice to experience that. And I remember we would have like these breads and olives and oh, just so good, such good food. Actually, another thing we saw as well, um, in one of the wineries, actually, actually, I just called it a brewery. They're wineries. Uh, excuse my uh, wrong use of vocabulary. But um, when we went to do the port wine tasting as well, they um, they actually had a show on 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 
in like in the winery, like in the middle of it, they had like traditional, it was like this kind of, um, they were in like old traditional kind of outfits and they did a song and a dance and stuff. And I still don't really know what it was, but it was actually really nice um, just to have the tastings and sit around tables and and have music and dance there. It was just, yeah, really good feeling. Um, but they have like super old port wine. Some of it's like from 16... I don't know, 1630s or something, which is so old, if you think about it, like that's so old. And um, yeah, I think you can if you pay, if you pay a big price, I think you can actually taste it. Um, And also like just a bit of history about it, like the, so the British used to go in there back in the day, a few centuries back, and they would like go into the harbour and basically get the port wines and bring them back to Britain. And I suppose, you know, it was like like they would trade it or whatever, but it was considered very um, precious. Um, but yeah, it's an amazing place. There's loads of hip bars. There's loads of cobbled streets. And actually as well, another place we went to was, um, it was kind of like a railway station and like, Portugal, well, Porto, um, Portugal really is very famous for the tiles. So um, um, you'll see these blue tiles and Porto is really famous for it. And um, yeah, it was just amazing. I Like there was thousands and thousands and thousands of these blue tiles just lining the interior of the, I'm pretty sure it was a railway station. Um amazing the walls just plastered in it just such gorgeous artwork and and like what's dis- displayed on it like these stories are displayed into the tiles and you know the blue and white and it's very um I suppose calming when you see blue and white isn't it um yeah but the artwork there is amazing and you'll see these tiles all over the place they're absolutely gorgeous I actually bought a few of them and I brought them home and I've used you know, one, like one of them I've stuck on the wall, another one I've used on, you know, just for a cup of tea to put on, you know, like a coaster. Um, But yeah, it's amazing. So the next place I went to was um, Lisbon. And Lisbon is also a beautiful, big, uh, bustling city. Um, Again, loads of cobbled streets, loads of gorgeous restaurants. Um... And, um, yeah, like the Portuguese people are just amazing. They're so nice. And yeah, I'll take you through some of the places I've, places I visited there. So one of the first places I visited was the castle, um, beautiful castle, um, on the hilltops of Lisbon. And you can walk up there. It's fairly steep. Um, and in the summer heat, like I found Lisbon, I went to Lisbon, um, no, it was in the same trip as Porto. I actually got a train down from Porto to Lisbon, but it was much, much hotter in Lisbon. Really hot. And I remember going up to the castle and just sweating. But there's quite a few trees as well for shade going up. But it's absolutely beautiful and definitely worth the visit. And um, you get all these panorama views of the city when you get up to the top. So it's gorgeous. And it's like a fortress. And you can get a tour if you want and learn all about the history. And um, 
there's just really high walls and towers and some people do they actually take the tram up there um so if you don't want to take the big hike um <clears throat> so the other place um and then as well like there's lovely little shops on the way up like if you want to buy tiles or cups or whatever kind of stuff like there's loads of artisanal uh shops on the way up there um another place i went to was belaim which is outside of um lisbon and you can get like a i'm pretty sure again i got a train out there or a bus but i'm pretty sure it was a train um but it's absolutely amazing out there as well and we went to the oldest um so in in portugal you have the pastaia de nada um basically like they're the pastries they're the um custard kind of pastries but they're really 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 famous but we went to the original original um shop where the pastries were made and like we had to queue outside the shop it was crazy we'd queue down the street but like it was so worth it they were amazing 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 but they're so good i think i actually with a couple of my brazilian friends we got them in cork once or maybe actually no they have them in a local bakery actually I've had them here but nothing compares to what they're like in Portugal and they're kind of I remember like they were kind of like even a little bit hot and they just kind of melt in your mouth and oh my god they're amazing especially with a cup of tea or something <laughs> but um they're really good or you could try and make them yourself at home um let me know if you do I would love to know um so yeah Belém so it's B-E-L-E-M if you want to look it up and um uh what else did I do there um oh I went to a monastery there as well which is like this big old kind of um very interesting architecture and um yeah it was really yeah peaceful there you know it was just kind of outside of Lisbon you could really reflect on I suppose your holiday or your touring around because it was so quiet there in in the monastery anyway and it's a very famous landmark and and even inside there there's loads of artwork um there's even stuff from Warhol and Picasso and yeah it's pretty cool there um and just as well as that um like Belém is like it's just it's oh yeah it was very um actually famous with uh, explorers and stuff and it even survived the earthquake that hit um Lisbon um in 17 in the 1700s uh, there was a big huge earthquake um and it was one of the very 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 few buildings that actually survived the tower of Belém so yeah so definitely worth a visit um the third place I went to which is definitely worth noting down was Sintra and this was actually my favorite favorite place it's full of castles like castles everywhere like it's absolutely amazing and you go out there you have to get again you have to go outside of Lisbon to get there it's outside of the city you can get a bus and then you get like a bus all the way up these hills that are full of forests and castles it's just absolutely gorgeous and there was one like like they're super bright you see this yellow castle super bright and it's just standing amidst like all this green trees they're like it's absolute it's like something out of fairy tale land it's amazing so look it up on Ecosia Sintra 
Um, and uh, it's it's actually the top attraction there. Like it's top attraction in Portugal even, and it's a UNESCO World Heritage Site. It's amazing, and um, you definitely could spend the day there. Like I mean, if you could stay in the castle, I would, <laughs> but um, I didn't. Um, but it's amazing, and you can just wander around, and there's a palace you can visit as well, paying a palace. Um, but like there might be crowds so you'd kind of have to yeah kind of I suppose get there early in the morning or something and um, to be able to walk around and and actually have your own path and get a photo or something because otherwise like it can get busy with crowds but um, it definitely is like the top place I would definitely say to visit it's absolutely amazing so the final place I visited in Portugal was the Algarve region, which is down the south. And it I landed into a town city um, called Faro. So Faro is actually very accessible from Ireland if you are from Ireland. Um, but you, you might have been there already because a fair few people have been there. But it's absolutely like, oh, this was the place for me. It was just gorgeous like sun, sea, sand, good food, good vibes. It was just amazing. And I had an Airbnb on the edge of a cliff. It was amazing. Um, Sorry now, guys. I'm just going to take a drink of my tea. It's quite cold here this morning. Um, We had sun all week, but um, this morning's very, very... um, overcast so it's a bit colder so I'm like I'm gonna have my tea while I'm recording um so yeah so it was down the south south of Portugal and it's just gorgeous like I remember the Airbnb we had was literally I I actually couldn't believe it was real like the taxi driver was dropping us off and he was like here it is and I was like is this ours like two big gates walled garden and like a main house with a pool and then like a smaller Airbnb at the back with like two bedrooms, kitchen, living room, like outdoor deck, outdoor chairs and um, like fruit trees. The garden was just fruit trees, fruit trees. And they had these um, um, fig trees. The fig trees were absolutely, definitely empty by the time we left we had devoured them I just I couldn't like it was just amazing I was like figs like fresh figs all over the trees oh it was so good it was so good like just remembering it now just but actually the first night it's such a sick stomach because we ate so much of them I was like oh my god that was just too much um this was the most amazing place and like literally opened the double gates of our like driveway and like it was down onto the main beach um and the cliffs there were stunning, like huge, like sea stacks and massive, like like carved out kind of doorways and windows in the, in the cliffs and really like orangey kind of colour. And uh, I don't know, the colour scheme there, even with the blue water and the orange cliffs, it was just gorgeous. Um, but we actually ended up, I went with three Czech girls. It was lovely. Um, so I had to learn a bit of Czech during the week there. Um, but we, uh, I remember we, like in the mornings, I was, 
um, running in the mornings on the cliffs very early, like half six, seven before it would get really hot. And it was just gorgeous. Like you do a few kilometers along the cliffs, come back, jump in the sea. And oh my God, it was amazing. And again, we were eating like the pastries, like we'd go to the beach and you'd, you'd go up to the like little hut on the beach and you'd get a bit of shade and you'd have a, you know, an iced coffee or iced whatever and and you'd have your pastry and oh so good um and then again the markets there were amazing oh just such fresh fruit everywhere avocado papaya like all the stuff and again loads of fish loads of fresh seafood there um I'm wondering why I'm not there right now because <laughs> it's so amazing there and the Portuguese are just lovely they're just really nice people um yeah, and again, you can explore Faro and um, the surrounding kind of markets. And yeah, absolutely amazing place. Um, <clears throat> and uh, definitely worth like check up um, Airbnbs like literally on the coast and treat yourself for a few days. Like imagine walking out your gate and literally been on the edge of a cliff like amazing. Um but another thing I noticed as well, like, because we didn't have much sun, obviously, in Ireland. When we were there, we were down on the beach in the daytime getting all the sun. And all the Portuguese would go away in the daytime. And I'd be like, why aren't they out? <laughs> but obviously, like, you know, during the day, it's just so hot. That sun would melt you and burn you. And we were kind of like, yeah, we'll stay out in it. But like I did, my, my poor skin got a bit of a... Uh, frying I suppose now I'm more cautious but back then I was like oh my god sun must take all the sun but anyways so guys yeah that's Portugal um definitely add all those places to your list and like if you were doing you could do actually a big tour of the country you could go into Porto taste the port wine see the cobble street the tiled like um artwork you could then go down to Lisbon and go out to Sintra amazing go to Belém go to the oldest pastry shop go to the castle and then you could go down to Faro and just relax and be in the beautiful Algarve and just sun sea and chill out and read a book amazing um I kind of want to go back now <laughs> um yeah let me let me know if you're listening and you've been there or places you've been and you want to share I know there's really good surfing there as well but I didn't do that when I was there um but if you've been surfing there let me know or anything um I'd love to hear from you um so I suppose um local adventures and nature bits um last weekend I went up a local mountain um on the border between Tipperary and Waterford called the Knockmeal Downs. Um, really adventurous day and amazing, amazing views. Went up with like a group of, I'd say 70 or 80 people. Amazing. Um, massive group of people. And um, we did five peaks on the day, which were tough, very tough to do the whole thing. Um, we did other ones. We did like, uh, what was it called? Yeah, Knockmill Down, but we did also ones like Knocknophilia, Knockanor, different ones. I was getting mixed up with all the Knocka something, but we ended up doing like, you're like you're kind of starting Tipperary and then you're kind of, you end up, well, the last peak we reached was Knocknophilia and we ended up overlooking Dungarvan. So, yeah, it was massive um, terrain we covered and oh, it was just so nice up there to sit down and have a sandwich and look at below at the ascent 
at um or the descent sorry at all the um trees and forestry and I even met a lovely fox there and I fed him like one of my um a muffin that my aunt had made and he was delighted and he came really close to me like he was going around my car um and that was so cute um there was also like another hike across the way with a lake and uh, like yeah it looks really good as well so I'm like there's lots of hikes up there um so definitely would like to go back but um yeah amazing day out and again like just being up in the mountains in vast landscapes it opens your mind it opens your vision it opens all of the parasympathetic nervous system which is relaxing obviously it's tough to climb but you know it's just like it's so worthwhile whether you're going into the ocean or the mountains like or the trees like they're all really calming for your nervous system so if you're in any stressful situation just get into nature like that's where you belong that's where your system returns to its natural state of relax um and what else is going on um yeah as i've said my bees were out yesterday so that's really exciting um and what else have i been doing I've been again clearing up the tunnel slowly but surely but I've still I've still got veggies like I'm still cooking up kale um and I cooked Brussels sprouts like I still have a good few bits left so I can't really sow any seeds (laughs) well anyway I'll probably get out my propagator soon and do some bits in that a heated propagator maybe start off some seeds but at the moment it's still very cold so there's no rush um but yeah so last week I was eating um loads of my different varieties of kale and um, just pulling up some dead plants again and my avocado trees they're doing great so that's really exciting um so yeah so I might actually just read you an excerpt from the book and um, the tree book um, I'd love to share that with you and um, yeah so this chapter is called turbulent times And we all go through these, don't we? (laughs) I mean, we all go through like bits of struggle and discomfort. So, so does all of nature. So don't forget that. And there's always the light after the dark or, you know, like nature is very resilient, very, very resilient. And we know that like from watching her, like what, what can happen and how she regenerates in abundance always. So never doubt that whatever you're going through, you're going to come out and be super strong. So here we go. In the forest, things don't always work out according to plan. Even though this ecosystem is immensely stable, often humming along for many centuries with no drastic changes, a natural catastrophe could still throw everything into turmoil. I've already written about winter storms. If a hurricane flattens whole forests, it usually affects commercial spruce or pine plantations. They are often growing on land damaged by machines and so compacted that the roots can't grow down into it to provide good support for the trees. Moreover, in Central Europe, these trees grow much taller than they do in their original home farther north and they hold on to their needles even in the winter. This means there is a large surface area to catch the wind and a long trunk to intensify the pressure. So the fact that the weak roots don't hold is not so much a catastrophic event as simply a logical one.
But there are storm events in which even natural forests sustain at least localised damage. There are tornadoes whose swirling winds change direction in seconds and overwhelm the trees. These turbulent winds often happen in combination with thunderstorms, which occur almost only in summer, so yet another factor comes into play. Deciduous trees have leaves on their branches. In the normal storm months from October to March, beech are naked right down to their branches and therefore offer little wind resistance. In June or July, however, trees are not expecting these kinds of problems. If a tornado sweeps through a forest, it slams into the crowns and twists them right off with its raw power. The splintered trunks are left standing as a monument in this atmospheric assault, a lasting testament to the forces of nature. Tornadoes are rare events and therefore, in evolutionary terms, it clearly doesn't make sense to develop a defensive strategy just for them. However, there is another type of damage that happens much more often in connection with thunderstorms. The complete collapse of the crowns of deciduous trees because of heavy rain. When enormous amounts of water land on the leaves in just a few minutes, the trees have to handle loads that weigh many tonnes. Typically, extra weight from above comes in the form of winter snow, and this falls right through the trees because the leaves are already on the ground by then. In summer, snow is not an issue, and beeches and oaks in full leaf have no problem bearing up under a typical rainfall. Even in a downpour, it's usually fine if a tree has grown normally. Things do, however, get a little dicey for trees if they ignored the etiquette manual while they were growing up and have now structural issues with their trunk or branches. A typical issue that can lead to branch failure is the so-called hazard beam. The name says it all. A normal branch curves like a bow. It comes out from the trunk, grows upward for a while and then grows horizontally before gently curving down. This gentle curve does a good job of cushioning the impact of weight from above without breaking. That is extremely important because the branches of older trees can be more than 30 feet long. This long lever exerts enormous pressure at the point where the branch meets the trunk. Despite the dangers, some trees clearly don't want to follow tried and true branch patterns. In these trees, the branches start by pointing away from the trunk, only to then bend and grow upward and continue to hold this course. If a branch that grows in this J shape is bent down toward the ground, the force of heavy rain is not absorbed and the branch breaks because downward pressure compresses the fibres on the underside and overextends those on the inside. Sometimes it is the tree trunk itself that is malformed in this way and these trees break apart in the torrential rains that often accompany thunderstorms. It's just another tough selection process that eliminates unfit trees from the race. So guys, yeah, that's like a little insight into how, you know, nature and its patterns can really be destructive. It can tear down trees, it can tear down crowns, trees that seem to grow certain ways might be might, might not be for their benefit, you know. And there's actually a forest near me at home and 
it's absolutely mind-blowing like there's trees that have fallen down like there's you know a good proportion a quarter of them maybe have fallen down and they're all growing like in summer like you see all the leaves growing and it's amazing because like the trunk is out of the ground literally barely a fifth of the roots are in like the roots are all up in the air yet they're just flourishing and blooming so like even though trees are taken down and destructed, they're still growing, they're still blooming. And it's amazing. And I see it like all around. So next time notice that, like when you're in a forest, but you won't notice it now in the winter because you won't see the leaves. But in the summertime, just take a glimpse and see the destruction and um, how fallen trees still bloom. It's amazing, like. I'm fascinated by it, <laughs> you know, and it goes for us as well, us being nature, like as much as we can be destructed and brought down and, you know, uh, like we, we come back up, we can still grow, we, we can be these beautiful, strong tree trunks, you know, um, and, and even when you think of a seed um, and, and whoever's going to grow this year, think of the seed, it absolutely cracks to its like it's so it's destructed in every way it cracks completely to to produce this beautiful plant or flower or fruit or whatever it's amazing so never doubt that your cracking or undoing is going to produce something amazing so folks that's all for today um let me know if you've enjoyed share your thoughts with me give me feedback um and if you are getting something from the podcast please consider supporting. It would really help me and my business to grow um, and just to help me keep the podcast going because it is it is a lot of work every week between preparing, uh, doing it, editing it, uploading it, all of that stuff. It takes a lot of work and a lot of time and um, I'd really appreciate the support. Um, so thank you so much. Um, have a wonderful day. And have a gorgeous weekend. And I'll talk to you all very soon. Ciao.